Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back, beautiful mamas. It's just a quick intro from me today to say today's episode is all about social media, technology, and our addictions to our phones. This is about us as parents and our children. It's not going to make you feel guilty or anything like that. It's just an insight to what I have experienced after taking a short amount of time completely offline with my children, what I learn about myself and them, and how I now want to make changes in my life now that I'm back in the real world. I asked my amazing friend, Dr. Christy Goodwin, who is a children's brain and technology expert and is a mama of two boys herself, how we can manage this overwhelming part of our lives better. Enjoy. This is the Happy Mama Movement with your host, Amy Taylor-Kabaz, author, mama to three, and editor of the Happy Mama magazine. In my mamahood journey, I have gone from an overachieving, addicted-to-busyness superwoman to finally slowing down, simplifying, and realizing that being a mama is the greatest self-development teacher in the world. And after more than 15 years covering breaking news, I've swapped current affairs to inspiration and now bring you the best I can find every week to help us feel more connected as women as we raise our families. Because when we come together, amazing things happen. So welcome to the movement. So, Christy, thank you for joining the Happy Mama Movement podcast again. I think you're on my old podcast. I absolutely love everything you do. And we're also been through a lot together, you and I, over the years. And I know that whenever I reach out to my mama tribe, how we deal with our phones, our social media and our internet connection as mums, but also how we allow our children to connect in this way is a really, really big struggle. It's something that I don't think there's been one mama I've spoken to who feels okay about the way they handle their phone. It's that big of a problem for our generation. But before we dive in, the reason why I wanted to get you back in was because I wanted to share this story with everybody and then kind of dissect it with you, figure out how I might be able to do it differently next time and what we can learn from it. So As some of you know, in the last school holidays, I took my three children up to Darwin, where my parents live, and then we all went out into Kakadu in the Northern Territory. This is, for those of you who don't know it or maybe who are outside of Australia, this is one of the most beautiful parts of the world. It's an indigenous sacred land, really, and it's where there's ancient rock paintings from the indigenous people, 
It's a very spiritual, beautiful place, but it's also in the middle of nowhere. Really, there is no Wi-Fi. Let alone my phone didn't even work out there. Just past the sign that says "Welcome to Kakadu," I looked at my phone, Christy, and the phone switched to、um, no no connection or no coverage or something like that. And I actually took this really big, deep breath. Because leading up to that moment, I knew I'd have five days offline, so I was like a, <laughs> I was like an addict trying to get my last hit. It was quite overwhelming. I was like, oh well, I better schedule this, and I better put this email out, and I better do this, and I better do that because then I can switch off. And when I saw it pop up on my phone that that's it, I switched off. I said to everyone in the in the car. That's it. We've lost service. It was sort of this little moment we'd arrived at, and in my energy and in my chest, almost I felt this. Ah,、oh, okay. Now it's just me and the kids and my parents. Share with me what you think about that, because I think most of us do feel this feeling that if we were to turn off our phone or not to connect with people in social media or through emails or whatever it is for a short amount of time. We feel like our world might fall apart a little bit, don't we? Yeah, and there's actually a、um, a colloquial term for it. They're calling it nomophobia, and it's this fear of not having our phones in close proximity. And I think we have developed this level、um, of digital dependence that we have、um, adopted this belief that we need to be constantly tethered to our digital devices. And as you indicated, the thought of not having internet connection and not having your your phone, you know, operational,、um, is akin for many of us, you know, to cut off our oxygen supply sometimes. So I think、um, we have developed these entrenched habits that that's really what our relationship with any technology is.、Um, they have become entrenched habits over time that we have adopted, and it's the same thing with our kids. You know, many parents are, are really worried when their child's throwing, you know, the dreaded techno tantrum when we try and pry the device from their hand. And the exact same neurobiological response that they're having is exactly why we find it hard to shut the laptop lid or, you know, turn our devices off. So, these devices, you know, technology when you know social media was first being developed, there were definitely technologists and computer programmers working on it. But what many people are shocked to hear was that there were also psychologists and neuroscientists working on the development of these programs like Facebook,、wow. um, etc. So that tells us that these You know, technologies that can hijack our attention so easily, you know, and can rob us, you know, of our time,、um, have been designed to sort of cater and, and pry、um, on our our fundamental psychological needs. I think the thing that I really wanted to explore with you is why can't I? I'll use myself as an example. Why can't I just do that myself? Why do、yeah. I have to travel all the way to Kakadu and literally watch my phone switch off to have that sense of ah,、oh, it's okay、mm. to be disconnected for a little while? We'll talk about our kids in in a minute because their experience was phenomenal. But let's just stick with us for a moment. Why can't I just do that myself? Well. Technology, as I alluded to before, has been designed to cater for our three basic psychological needs. So, technology caters for our number one human desire that we all have, whether we're an adult or a child,、um, is our need for biological connection. We want to feel like we belong, and so our technology, particularly phones and social media, cater for that desire to feel like we want to. Belong and that we're connected.、Um, you know, any mum or isolated mum will tell you how you know、um, 
how difficult it can be in those early stages of motherhood if you are geographically or socially isolated. And so this is why many of us gravitate towards social media. Even if you're out of that newborn folk, um, many of us rely on our phones for that connection with our friends and our peer group too. Um, the second human psychological desire that technology is catered for is our desire to feel like we're competent. And our phones, we get that sense of competency. You know, we only ever tend to post the highlight reel on, on social media, so we give that sense of competency. Um, we can search for information, you know, that will help us be more competent online. So we, it really caters for that desire to feel like we're competent. And the third thing, uh, third psychological need that technology caters for is our desire to be in control. As human beings, we want to feel like we have some locus of control over what's happening. And as any parent can attest, there are very few times in the day where we have control over any situation with our kids. Um, and the moment we do think we've got control, you know, somebody has a nappy explosion, somebody's lost a school shoe as you're going out the door. Um, so it's incredibly difficult um, for us to manage. Um, so those three, they're the psychological reasons, but we also, um, technology also caters for our, um, our neurobiological response too. So when we use technology, you know, scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, our brain is releasing little hits of the neurotransmitter dopamine. So we want more and more of it. So what you were describing, you know, that really strong difficulty to switch off is driven by our brain's desire to get those little dopamine hits that technology gives us. I think that's other... almost, sorry to interrupt there, no, I think please. that's almost the strongest thing to understand is that it is this this craving that we have yeah. because when you describe those three psychological reasons why we like you know feel like we need our phones I'm thinking I actually feel sometimes that the phone gives me less control and feels makes me feel more disconnected mm. <laughs> because it's so unchecked in our lives now mm. but it's that dopamine that keeps us coming back even though we know it's not going to help us in this moment it's I just need that hit I just need that fix it's terrible isn't it yeah and it, that explains you know so many of us say in a joking way you know I'm addicted to my phone but if we were to put you know our brains in MRI machines we would probably see the reward pathways in the brain being activated. So it is highly likely that we are developing um, this dependence. And then over time, um, like any sort of um, addiction, we can develop a tolerance. So we need more and more of it to get the same sort of level of pleasure that we once got. Um, the other thing that I help, think helps um, parents to explain um, why we find it you know, hard to put our devices down is that when we're online, we also enter something called the state of insufficiency. And we never, ever feel done. We never, ever feel complete. There's always, you know, one more email in our inbox that could come in. There's always another, you know, update of social media that we could do. Um, so we never get that feeling of being done or being complete. And that's a really hard feeling for many of us to sort of, manage mm. um so yeah there's so many other things you know when we're online um it's always new and interesting they call it the novelty factor um and if i can be totally honest as a parent there are many parts of parenting that are very monotonous and mundane so our phone almost acts as that escapism because mm -hmm. we get the new and interesting and again that feeds into that addictive behavior too because we're looking for the next thing that will entertain us mm. wow mm. And so, so there's nothing wrong with us. Yes. All that we're experiencing is normal. Um, and I think the first step is acknowledging that we're not particularly happy with our, you know, our digital dependence and we want to make changes. And I think if we can appreciate why 
we find it hard to put it down, that gives us at least a better understanding um, of how we can possibly implement strategies to control it. That's right. And we'll get to the strategies in just a moment. So I also at this time witnessed my children completely change in the course of probably 36 hours. You know, my youngest, Mm. who's four at the moment, asked for his favourite show a couple of times a day for the first sort of two days, especially at those key times of, you know, um, resting time in the afternoon or in the car, those moments of you could see his brain saying, oh, I'm bored, oh, let me watch my show. And because I could very clearly say, mummy's phone doesn't work out here, buddy, he took a couple of goes to understand that and then was like, Okay, so looking out the window, playing games with his sisters, everyone singing the same music in the car, all the stuff that I remember, Christy, from when Mm. I was a little girl, and that beautiful space of imagination. And Mm. then I think by the time it was day three, my eldest child said to me, Mummy, Cass is so different out here. He doesn't have any tantrums. He's not angry anymore. And it actually brought tears to my eyes because I thought, I know, I can't even say it without getting teary. I said, I know, but so are you. We're all so different out here. I think it might be because we just don't have Wi-Fi. And she kind of rolled her eyes like, oh, yeah, mum's on the Wi-Fi thing again. (laughs) (laughs) But we had this beautiful space. And, you know, he was running around catching frogs and he totally came out Mm. of his skin. I'm there with my parents. And so on the last day out in this beautiful part of the country, we decided not to cook our meals on the on the stovetop camp oven for a change and headed into the one town in Kakadu called Jabiru. And we went into Jabiru to the caravan park for dinner and, lo and behold, my phone came back on. <laughs> We're sitting there. Um, So just remember that none of us have had the hit for four days and we're sitting there and my little boy was super tired and asked for the show and I said, you know what, buddy, you haven't had it for four days, sure. Here's my phone. You watch your show for a minute. He did 15 minutes. Then Mm. we had to turn it off and it was time for us to go. And he absolutely lost it in the middle of the caravan Mm. park, in the middle of the restaurant, on the ground, refusing to get up, screaming at me. And my mum just looked at me and said, that's unbelievable, Amy. He has not done that once since Mm. we've been here. It was the most stark contrast I have ever seen. It made me want to do the absolute controlling parent thing of, well, that's it. We're never having Wi-Fi in our house Mm. anymore. You know, (laughs) I I automatically saw it so clearly. I I rang my husband when we got back to Darwin. I said, well, I'm just letting you know that I am coming back with the strongest rules around technology. I cannot believe the difference I've seen in our children. But then, of course, I've come back to Sydney and that is Mm. unrealistic. So this is what I really wanted to hear from you today. Mm. For me, myself... I don't want to be addicted to my phone. I'm finding social media more and more draining, but I know I need it for my business and to connect with my beautiful mamas. I also want my children to be able to have it, but not have these terrible meltdowns. So how do we do this realistically? How do we manage this? Look, it's really, really hard. And when I talk to parents, I talk to them um, about being um, masters of the media and not a slave to our screens. And Mm. I think we need, we find it so hard Um, as adults. So I think it's little wonder that our kids, you know, with their developing brain architecture also find it so hard to manage. Um, And I just wanted to quickly explain what I think possibly would have happened and obviously just bearing 
um, in the context that you just gave us then, was that that, that techno tantrum, that intense behaviour when kids come off a screen, um, what we think is happening is that their sensory system and their nervous system have been totally hyper-aroused. So when they come off the screen and they're agitated and they're frustrated and they're techno tantruming and, and it's all the abhorrent behaviour that we all dread... It's actually their body's way of getting rid of all the cortisol, the stress hormone, because ah. the, the online world has hyper-aroused them and got them into this really um, excited state. And then we take them off and they're trying to get rid of their cortisol. Wow. So that sort of behavior, again, is normal. Um, and we need to give them opportunities to discharge it. And the chances are that he didn't have those tantrums, not only because the technology wasn't there, but because his sensory and nervous systems were getting the right sorts of you know, stimulation, for want of a better word, just through the natural environment, through mm. playing and being creative. Mm. Um, so in terms of how do we manage it, you know, taming our technology habits is really difficult. And I personally, you know, struggle with this, even though this is the, the research area that I look at. So a couple of things that have worked really well for me and that don't require digital amputation, because as we all know, it's not possible for us all to pop off to Kakadu or, mm -hmm. you know, literally physically disconnect. So that's that worked well for me. Um, the simplest one is out of sight, out of mind. Um, putting our phone particularly out of our, you know, line of sight um, for our kids, you know, I know it's hard to do with the TV, but with smaller screens, that um, removal from their eye line or our line, it stops that mental trigger that we need to check in Often it's just such a habitual thing that we do um, that we see it and we think we want to use it. And again, knowing what we know about the dopamine, we form that association that that thing gives me pleasure. Mm. Every time, you know, I see it in mum's handbag or, you know, it's sitting on the kitchen bench top, it's that trigger that I want it because I know that it's pleasurable. So out of sight works really well. The other thing that's worked really well for me is having boundaries because we know we enter that state of insufficiency. You know, we never feel done. The same thing is true for our kids. You know, one YouTube clip is never enough because there's so many more that look really interesting popping up down the right-hand side. Um, so giving for ourselves, you know, whether it's set times of the day where we have dedicated time to check into social media, maybe it's, you know, allocated times when we're going to check emails, really trying to develop our own boundaries and the same thing with our kids um, with young kids in particular giving them an amount of time is often ineffective especially if they don't have a conceptual understanding of what time is but mm. give them quantities you know you can have two episodes and then I want you to turn it off um, so giving them firm consistent boundaries um, so that they can start to develop these habits again where they're in control of technology and not the other way around um, simple things for us, you know, turning our phone on to do not disturb. So we can still receive, you know, urgent phone calls from family members, um, but we're not constantly being bombarded with phone calls and alerts and notifications. The other really big game changer that's so simple is turning off our alerts and notifications. And, you know, we start to salivate like Pavlov's dogs every time we see, you know, a red alert or a notification. Um, and the other one I've just started trying, and I've had a huge idea. I thought it was too simplistic to work, um, but a, a really simple strategy, and I can send you a link so you can share it on the notes page um, mm -hmm. with the listeners, but it's turning your phone to grayscale. Now, what this does um, is um, it's 
stops you from seeing your screen and again getting that sort of anticipation of dopamine because the grayscale stops sort of the visual appeal of it. Um, so switching it to grayscale can have a really profound impact. Wow. The other thing, um, I meant to say this when the out of sight, out of mind, apart from physically keeping your gadgets out of sight, removing from the homepage of your screen anything that is your weakness, your temptation. Because we all know we often unlock our phones to either make a phone call or to do you know, something functional. And we see the Facebook icon or the Instagram icon and then we get lost in that sort of vortex. So what I recommend is on your home screen, just having those functional tools, be it the calculator, um, maybe it's just the phone icon, um, you know, maps, mm. whatever you need. Mm. And then those sort of seductions, um, on, you know, the fifth screen across. So it's a real nuisance for us to sort of swipe through. Yes. Um, yes. And locate them. So I've done that. Some, yes. Yeah, some strategies that, that do work. I know some people go to the lengths of taking it, um, turning it, uh, sorry, completely removing social media from their phone. And if it's too much of a, a weakness for you, then that's sometimes the lengths you need to go to. There are programs you can install that literally prohibit you from using particular social media tools at set times of the day. So if your self-control isn't that fantastic, you can use these sort of, ironically, technology tools that will tame your habits. Um, but I think the first thing is just being aware and then implementing strategies. Um, I know a lot of families implement sort of tech-free days and, and spaces yes. at home, and that can also work really well. I think well. you do that, don't you? You have a tech-free Sunday or family we, Sunday. We try to do. We often call it um, screen-free Sundays mm. or um, Sunday sabbaticals. We give mm. them different names. Mm. Um, and I have found, like you with your Kakadu experience, mine's obviously a much shorter period. I physically feel huge difference mm. um, after it. I know I always sleep a lot better um, mm. after it. And it's interesting um, because we know that that is a fundamental part um, of one of the reasons why we're finding it so hard to sleep. You know, the whole blue light factor is a, another topic in and of itself. Um, but this is often a sort of, it sort of becomes a cycle. If we are so dependent on our devices, we're using them before we fall asleep, then it can in turn impair our sleep. And the less sleep we have, the less able we are to control our technology habits. <laughs> You know, exactly. when you're tired, it's so hard not to avoid that. Oh, I agree. I saw, I saw it ironically on Instagram recently, this little meme that said, I'm so exhausted, I can hardly keep my eyes open, but I'll just quickly check Facebook, Instagram, mm. <laughs> and whatever. And all of these mums were commenting, ah, oh, ha, ha, that's me, you know, laugh out loud kind of thing. And I thought, gosh, how often is that what we do? We are absolutely exhausted and we still, this is the one last thing that we feel we need to do. And look, what I love about you, beautiful, is that this is not about banning it, no judgment here. No. We all love our social media in a, in small doses. And I know you are the same. You use it for your business. And I also know that your two boys are not completely being raised without any technology. Definitely not. <laughs> Yeah, so are they the things that you use with your boys is that you give them time frames and you have it very limited and strong boundaries. Is that what you do? Yes, and consistent with it. And that's the hardest thing. You know, it's so easy to give in to the pest of power when they're pleading, you know, can we just have one more? Can we watch it today? Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't get me wrong, there are moments of weakness where 
I do give but in. But I love that you share that because but, it just makes us all feel so much better. Yes, yeah. But on the whole, we try and be really firm um, with those boundaries. I mean, I'll be honest, we still get the techno tantrums and the still, you know, it's so unfair that you're not letting me play on it anymore or watch anything else. Mm. Um, but what I found is that getting, you know, a couple of things can work really well there with kids. Um, when they come off the screen, um, having a really positive transition activity for them. So if they've been on the screen, they've got lots of that dopamine, they're feeling really good, and then you're literally taking them off from that. So giving them a choice of two activities, for example, um, and usually physical activities can work well because that gets them um, to make, you know, um, the positive hormones that we want, the pleasurable hormones like serotonin etc so getting them off the screen and you know going for a jump on the trampoline or riding their bike Mm. Um, but again just those firm boundaries and getting them over time to start to develop some of their own self-control because the reality is that will inherit a digital future so cutting them off from all technology I call it digital abstinence isn't the solution I agree Um, Mm. we just got to show them healthy ways to use it and the best way but I also acknowledge it's the most difficult way is for us to be good role models ourselves yeah um, and so, uh, yeah that's it that's it we have to be good role models but I can guarantee you that when you start doing it you realize how much better you feel as well and then it just becomes this this non-negotiable is to have this space and the other quick thing that I discovered in that time away all of these insights when the, we didn't have any other choices was that I actually think the TV's okay I'm not sure how you feel about it but you know just stock standard free to air TV because the other thing we have at home is we have Netflix and we have all these choices mm. so they can choose whatever they want whenever they like and when we were away there was literally one channel which was good old ABC Kids and my kids are older now so they turned it on what for three seconds said I don't actually like this show I'm going to turn it off and went and found Mm. something fun to do so that was something else that I've come back being a bit stricter about that you know sure we can all turn the TV on and watch a family movie but it's not about searching Netflix for everybody's individual shows and everybody gets two episodes of their own thing and all of that oh my god it drives me nuts (laughs) I'm like you know what Friday night we have a family movie and if you don't like the family movie great the craft corner's over there you know this is not all about us all scattering to different parts of the house to watch our own things so oh it's so huge I love that and I I think that's one of the things we find really hard now because of the ubiquity of technology you know chances are in in many households we've now got more than one tv Mm -hmm. we've got you know multiple mobile screens like tablets and smartphones so that individualized access is is so much easier to cater for but like you said it can be you know it can be a hindrance because We've then got, you know, 15 episodes that we're watching as opposed to one. So, And you're not having any time bonding together as a family. Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, this is one of my big things at the moment, so we won't. But that was the other <laughs> thing I realised was that it was just not allowing us to connect as a family. Mm. And that's what I really wanted to, I guess, flesh out with this episode with you is that we need to disconnect to reconnect as a family. And that doesn't mean all the time, you know, of course we've come back and things have crept back in, but we are going to be stricter about it. And things like the Friday night movie or um, anything like that, it's all of us together as a family. Mm. That This idea that we all separate and do our own thing is not going to happen anymore either. So... Lovely. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, um, one thing I wanted to add was to know how much your child at their particular age should watch a week, please go to Christy's website. The details will be in the show notes, but she's got so much information. It's just a wealth of information. If you're struggling to know what is right for my four-year-old, what is right for my nine-year-old, all of those types of things, you have to use her website. It is an amazing resource for us parents. Thank you, beautiful. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Happy Mama Movement. To make sure you never miss an insight, please subscribe to this podcast and also pop on over to see the latest issue of the Happy Mama magazine at www.happymama.com.au. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.